All right. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for coming on the podcast. Um, been looking forward to this episode. So why don't you maybe tell the guest um, your origin story? Maybe how did you start your career? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me today, Hamilton. I'm excited to be here. I have a very windy and unorthodox uh, career path. I recently completed my MBA at William & Mary, but um, I didn't start it until I was about five or six years into my career. And uh, I graduated from UVA with a degree in government and sociology. Thought I was going to law school, um, but it was right at the height of that wonderful recession that we had. And it was a really strange time to be someone either entering the workforce or looking towards building a career because a lot of the traditional pathways were closed off. Grad schools were having such high application rates that no one was getting in. And um, so right after I graduated from college, I said, well, I just have to reevaluate, figure out where I'm going. And so I waited tables and for a year just kind of tried to figure out what was the best fit for me. And um, after some soul searching, I reached out to a family friend who I had known for years and years and had worked for a little bit in college. She was she owns a small consultancy that does human performance and uh, corporate training consulting. And she was traveling the world and doing all of these amazing things. And I reached out to her and I was a baby 22 year old college graduate with no job and said, you're doing these great things. You need an extra set of hands. And she very generously, I think, um, out of a little bit of pity for <laughs> my situation said, uh, you know, I have some small admin projects. It's about six weeks worth of part-time work if you're interested. And that work has now transformed into, um, almost a eight year working relationship with her. And so she really, uh, in a lot of ways, jump-started my career working with entrepreneurs in and in marketing and in operations of small business. And for Trish Yule, I will be forever grateful because she really took a chance on a young kid who didn't have a lot of practical experience but was really eager to learn. And so um, I started doing administrative, operational, and eventually marketing projects for her. And that has really driven me to work with other entrepreneurs and other small businesses um, in the same sort of space, training and learning. But um, the skills are widely applicable and it's been a really exciting journey to work with innovators and business owners and find out how to help them do what they do more efficiently and more effectively bring their value proposition to their target market and ultimately to really improve the lives of the consumers they work with and and solve the problems that they're having. So it's kind of a specialized training. So maybe you could talk a little bit about um, maybe some of the entrepreneurs that you work mm -hmm. with and even some of the clients that you work with kind of, uh, you know, what, what type of... Uh, you know, like value proposition do you kind of bring? So I've had the extraordinary good fortune of actually working um, with female entrepreneurs. So it's um, been really interesting to watch their experience as people who are visionary and looking at the industries that they're in and them preemptively solving problems that they see coming down the path. Like they can see where the issues in, um, human capital and learning and performance are going to be. And so that has really been my network at this point because it is such a small uh, industry in terms of thought leadership that I've met um, a couple of leaders of these businesses. And what I've found from them is that they're just wildly creative people who are resilient and 
pragmatic at the same time. They find ways to say, okay, here's how I deliver value. I can help organizations more effectively and um, more efficiently deliver online training so that their organizations are saving money, but also improving performance of the employees to do their jobs better. And um, it's been really very interesting to watch that space because now that I've been to grad school and I've really gotten sort of that traditional foundation of academics and business under me, it's reassuring to understand that there are people who are focusing on helping people grow their skills so that when they're in the workforce that it's going smoothly because corporate training is it's not glamorous <laughs> you don't think so you know, no you know i'm not <laughs> i'm not marketing really cool lipsticks or like amazing handbags or anything like that but i'm helping solve big organizational problems by delivering solutions with corporate training and whether that's consulting or um, virtual training services those kinds of things it's I see how important that HR component is to the overall effectiveness of an organization. And it's been, it's been an education for sure to see them work and to see how it works on a larger scale at the, the clients we serve. What do you think you've learned over kind of that eight year stretch, like kind of getting in the door, you're working on kind of, mm -hmm. you know, like you say, like a six week kind of yeah. project type of thing <laughs> to now being in a marketing role where you're kind of facing um, you know, there's marketing opportunities, you know, your positioning, mm -hmm. um, how, what, what are some things like maybe two top, two, three top things that you maybe take away from, uh, your time, uh, you know, not that you've left, but that you're still there. Right. What, uh, what, what are some learnings? The, the big lessons I've learned is the first thing that I decided to do when I started my career was to be endlessly useful. So I recognized that with my first role, I was brought on in this very tiny capacity and it wasn't in my nature to say, okay, well, that's a boundary that I'm going to see as hard and fast. I'm going to do really great work on this project, but potentially identify other areas of opportunity within the organization where I can contribute and um, provide value and say to the business leader, I recognize that there might be a gap or you may need additional help in this way. How can I support you in that? Um, so being endlessly helpful was really the first big lesson. The second lesson was flexibility. I think um, in traditional corporate settings, my understanding is that there's a fairly logical pathway. You know what your job is, you know what the responsibilities are, it's defined for you up front. Structure. Yes, there's a lot of structure. And uh, in the organizations I've served, there is very little structure. There's a lot of latitude to not only grow in the ways that you are useful, but to also be pushed into opportunities where you're forced to learn and forced to be agile. And that flexibility, I think, has served me very well because it's allowed me to uh, grow my career, but also better support those organizations. And then probably the third thing would be resiliency. I think it's working with entrepreneurs is exciting, but it's also a little anxiety inducing sometimes. You recognize very clearly that your work has an either immediate impact or immediate deficiencies. And if you're not doing your best work and if you're not um, always showing up every day ready to do your best, then you wind up in situations where you see that that can negatively impact your business. And especially in marketing, sometimes you can set all of the right things up and it's either the wrong timing, it's the audience wasn't quite ready for it, or it's something that you overestimated the value of. And 
you have to understand that, okay, that was a project that didn't go as planned, but what lessons can I learn from that? And then continue to have a positive attitude going forward. What did you learn at the MBA program at William Mary? Oof, so many things. <laughs> um, it was extraordinary to do that program while working 50 to 60 hours a week. Um, I accelerated the program because I was eager to immediately apply what I was doing. And um, I can be impatient sometimes. <laughs> so I really, I said, I want this to be a, a process that I really, that challenges me and I really grow from, but that I'm not doing for what feels like 500 years. So um, I accelerated the program and I learned so much. I think that the network at William & Mary is extraordinary. Not only, I mean, the professors are incredible and uh, we have access to great guest speakers like you, Hamilton, who uh, <laughs> came and visited our social entrepreneurship class. But the people that I was in class with every day just amazed me. They had, they were working adults, they had families, they had their own careers, but they always came willing and ready to contribute to other people's growth academically and personally. And just seeing a network like that in action makes you realize that if you're going to show up into the world, you should show up with purpose and generosity and warmth. And I think that that was one of probably the biggest things that I got from William & Mary, which was unexpected because um, my undergraduate experience was I think everybody is very young, but um, it was highly competitive and not in a way that felt as perhaps constructive as what the competition and um, the camaraderie felt like at William & Mary when I was there, so. Nice, yeah. and kind of, I guess, switching gears post-MBA, mm -hmm. what type of things, um, maybe learnings did you bring to the workplace or like what type of things did you kind of, um, I guess, develop like along the way, like any new skills or um, analyzing, you know, financial statements in a different right. way, anything like in particular? Uh, definitely the, the quantitative side. I think I tend towards at least inherently the soft and squishy, like the organizational behavior, the management, the personal branding, that all to me makes a lot of sense because it's very human, but bringing in the quantitative side about being able to look at an income statement and a balance sheet and understand, okay, this is what marketing is doing and this is the cost of that effort. Where is the recoup of that effort? And so... I think the quantitative piece has really been very helpful and I it's helped me feel more well-rounded in my professional life. Like I feel like I show up to work and I better understand the interconnectivity of everything. And I think that that holistic vision is also something that um, grad school gave me is I more clearly understand here's what, you know, why we have to invest in overhead or here's why we have to really understand cash flow or um, here's where the deficiencies are between the technologies that we're using and the data analytics and where we can improve. So that grad school really gave me that well-rounded holistic piece that I, I'm sure I would have gotten eventually, but it would have been a much more painful and sort of ad hoc process than, than going the traditional academic route. For sure. Um, what kind of marketing are you doing today that is, you know, making, uh, I guess, that recoup? Is it trade shows or are you doing digital marketing? Mm -hmm. What type of things are you kind of focused on? So I'm um, focused most on digital marketing. Our company that I'm uh, the head of marketing for is entirely virtual. So we are 75, 80 people who live and work globally and are serving individual 
uh, customers and also big giant fortune 50 clients and so for us the value has always been in brand establishment brand management and creating a dialogue and becoming a trusted advisor to our target audience and for us, the most cost efficient and impactful way to do that is digital. So we do, I focus very heavily on search engine optimization, SEO. Uh, we do social because I think it's often overlooked, especially when you're in the B2B side where you're, okay, I'm a business, I'm trying to deliver very expensive or high-end services to other companies. We don't need social, like what are we gonna get from Twitter? And I think, I think it's a misstep because you're right that you're probably not gonna convert, you know, uh, top 10 company off of a Twitter ad, but what you are going to do is you're going to create social proof. You're going to be able to be on a platform, manage your brand, interact with people who will eventually either come in contact with you because they're looking for information or they're looking for guidance um, and they see you on these platforms and you're legitimized that way. I think we all go online. I can't remember the last time I was looking to do anything and didn't first go to the internet. So um, I think digital is hugely important, search engine, social, and I'm also a huge fan of video and audio. I think it's an underutilized resource that organizations, especially small businesses, because it can be a little more expensive to invest in, um, but some of those barriers are decreasing. There are a lot of providers that you can use and vendors who will create great little explainer videos for $197 and you can quickly and easily deliver your value proposition that way. And with YouTube being the second biggest search engine on the internet and Google being number one and having those algorithms that now allow for audio um, files to be searchable, I think businesses need to understand that those are key things and it's something that I'm really bringing to my organization and attempting to implement as uh, innovatively as possible. Do you do all your marketing work in-house or mm -hmm. do you have uh, agencies that you work with? We do all of ours in-house. So um, we have a, the company is very lean as most uh, small businesses are, even though we've been pretty successful. So my team is, we have you know a website person who manages the technical side of the website. We have someone who manages our social media accounts and um, a couple of other part-time marketing people who help with executing a lot of it, but um, it's all in-house, all the strategy, all of the content, all of the execution. Um, we very rarely do a lot of paid advertising because on that B2B side, we're uh, struggling to decide whether or not that conversion is high enough for the investment. But um, we have not engaged with an agency and I think it, I understand that there are benefits to both options, doing it in-house or using an outside vendor, but for us, internal really works because it keeps you grounded in the business. It feels uh, personal almost when you're doing that work. You go, okay, I know the people whose work schedules are going to be impacted if this campaign doesn't go in the right direction. So it really, it keeps you hungry and humble and motivated and grounded in, in your efforts when we do it in-house like that. Nice. Um, what's the kind of, I guess, cross-functional team like? Like, how do you guys, since you're all virtual, mm -hmm. do you guys ever come together in person or do you always work kind of remotely? And maybe talk about some of the, you know, how does that work? Like advantages, disadvantages, yep. that kind of thing. So I've actually worked virtually my entire professional career. Um, and I have found that it's really fundamentally about just communication and expectation management and the technology has gotten so much better. I mean, even when I started in 2012 or whatever it was, it, 
you know, we had the telephone, we had voice over IP, but it wasn't, there weren't platforms like Zoom and WebEx and um, Adobe Connect where you can literally go in and share all of the work that you're doing and collaborate sort of in real time. And uh, so we have gotten together. I have gone to conferences, I've gone to live uh, brainstorming sessions with the companies I've worked for. And those are always valuable, especially if you're planning a particularly large initiative or strategizing you know, your Gantt chart for the next 12 months. What do you want from the business? But working virtually has just, it, I, with the right personalities, it can be highly effective. And I think it really just depends on, you have to set the expectation about what work looks like. You have to trust that your people are, um, doing so honorably and with integrity that they're not, you know, filling hours that they shouldn't be. But I think for the most part, everyone has such good intentions and is showing up to do great work and, uh, using the technology piece. It's, you know, you learn when to send an email, when to pick up the phone and you figure out, okay, how do we have a water cooler situation that you would have in a normal office where you go down and get your coffee at the Keurig? What's the virtual equivalent of that? That's and yeah, I've been very lucky that the, the companies I've worked for have really nurtured those relationships so that it doesn't become, you're just 70 people who live and work in your home office and, you know, you don't pick up the phone, you don't call, you don't ask questions, it's transparent and it's um, safe and it's nurturing and it's guided by the technology, but it's not necessarily defined by it. It's really the people who drive that community there. What kind of conferences do you go to and what do you look for to get out of them by going? So personally, I've been to a couple of conferences um, that are really industry kind of focused. So early on in my career, I, Trish Ewell, who was my first employer and my biggest mentor even to this day, um, she's really big on continuing education. And so she found these uh, marketers who were really sort of on the cutting edge of campaign marketing, email marketing, building that for small businesses. And so I've been to quite a few of those events where it's about the entrepreneurial spirit and it's about uh, quantifying and monetizing the value or the idea that you have and then bringing it to market. And for me personally, that was really my first introduction in education and marketing. And it was a dynamic experience that I think um, a lot of people looking to get into marketing should look into. There are ways to connect with like-minded people while also learning something tangible that you can then take away. But from a business perspective, when I think about what my clients do, um, a lot of the conferences that we attend um, have educational components. So they have um, concurrent sessions where industry practitioners are giving 45-minute basically classes on what their specialty is. and. That, I think, is another great way to bring in the thought leadership piece and the brand management piece because as entrepreneurs, your first instinct is a lot of times to try to sell something. And I understand you're trying to make money, you're trying to you know, keep the cash coming in and pay the, the bills, but um, being able to establish a brand reputation where you are seen as uh, thoughtful and informed and cutting edge in your space is a great way to get in front of future buyers and future clients and while also teaching them something new that they'll take and use in their careers. So from the, the business perspective, we tend to look for events that have, you know, the standard, you have the little, uh, 
expo piece where everybody has a booth and but it's for us the bigger component and decision maker is whether or not there's an educational component where we can show up and demonstrate what it is that we do best and help other people do that in some way love that um <clears throat> so we talked a little bit about um marketing are there any campaigns that maybe you're like particularly proud of or just anything that you can think back on that you know Maybe it went in a direction that you know you wouldn't have imagined. Yeah. <laughs> um, any ideas about that? <laughs> All of that. Um, I think when I look back on my career, there are projects that I'm proud of at each stage because I think that they ser- sort of served as a gateway to the next step, either in my skill level or they really pushed me to learn something new, think outside the box, problem solve. Um, but. Recently, one of the things that I'm most proud of is the company that I work for is really big on personalized experiences when we're dealing with clients or customers at any price point. We want everyone who comes to us to feel like their needs are being addressed, that we understand what it is that they're coming to us for and providing a solution. And um, our sales team, and again, it was very lean. It was one person who was really focused on B2B clients, very big corporate clients. And then we had somebody whose sole job was to follow up with every single lead, um, chase down every potential individual Love customer. That. And um, it was very useful for us and very effective because it had an impact on how people perceived our company. It was They felt like they were taken care of from the beginning and were more likely to be repeat customers. But um, that second salesperson retired. And so the company came to me and said, okay, we uh, are now down to one salesperson who's really managing our big clients. That's a full-time job. And now we need to maintain our brand proposition of having a personalized approach to every individual lead. Um, We need you to solve this problem. You can't just hire someone new. Uh, You have to use the technology we have and uh, protect that experience and continue it seamlessly moving forward. And it took a lot of creativity, but I figured out using our customer relationship manager how to essentially follow up with every single lead in a way that felt very human and it connected them with someone internal. So if they did follow up to that initial messaging that we sent out, that it they never realized that they didn't initially talk to a person. So looking back, I think that that's sort of the culmination of all of the things that I had worked for. It was using the technology uh, innovatively. It was strategically thinking about what the business needed. And it was also thinking about how the customer would be impacted by a changed experience and making sure that it was, um, that there was still a lot of personalization and personalized attention and that it was preserved in a way that made sense for both the business and uh, the customer. And that was, it was a doozy for a minute there, but, <laughs> but at the end I was really excited when um, one of our internal team members who was unaware that the project was going on, they said, oh my gosh, I got this great email from uh, the team after I downloaded this thing and I you know, reached out and said thank you and didn't even realize that it wasn't, um, that she hadn't actually reached out initially. So that was validation that it was working properly even on the internal side, so. Awesome. Um, have you had any mentors? If so, what type of mentors have you had? 
I've had all kinds. I consider um, a couple of friends that I've made uh, through William and Mary to be mentors. I think there's something so valuable about having a peer group who are on similar, if not a little different pathways, who've been through similar experiences, but who you can commiserate with, you can bounce ideas off of. Um, they've been extraordinary. But I've had um, a couple of career mentors that I I know that I would not be where I am today without them. Uh, so again, my first employer, Trish, was, I still talk to her on a regular basis. Um, we talked actually yesterday about this podcast and how <laughs> it was going to go. And it was, you know, it was great. Um, and then I have a couple of other people that I met through her who we don't have necessarily a day-to-day -day interaction, but I know if I was in a pickle or I had a professional quandary that I couldn't quite get my arms around if I picked up the phone and called them tomorrow, that they would warmly and uh, sincerely be generous with their advice. And they would say, here's what I would do. You know, I'm a, you know, Bob Pike is, he's, um, older than me. Uh, he's been a thought leader for 50 years in his space and he's incredible. And he has, you know, I've worked with him. He has taught me many things, not only about, uh, the training industry, but also about how he has built successful businesses and being in rooms with people like that. You just realize it's, it's great not to be the smartest person in the room. Sometimes you have to just defer to people who have more experience and they're going to teach you things if you're willing to listen. But, my mentors, including Trish and my friends, you know, Megan and Bryce and Sean from school, they've all just, uh, they've all taught me so many things that I know I wouldn't have moved forward as progressively without some of that insight. Love that. What um, were you excited about for 2020? All of it. I think uh, 2020, I think is going to be a really interesting year. I, as a consumer, I look and I go, there are so many options. And as a marketer, I go, there are so many options. How do we, how do we cut through the noise and connect? And I, I think that, um, having finished my MBA, I am now in a place where I'm excited to take the next steps and really move into something big and a little unwieldy and, uh, to have real impact. And so when I think specifically about like what I'm excited about for marketing, I think that, you know, the Google algorithms are changing and I, I'm excited that organizations, regardless of their size, are going to perhaps be able to better adapt their approaches. So even if you have a very small marketing budget or a very large one, you still may be able to get in front of consumers and have a big impact. And I, I think audio and video are going to be two really big components of that. But, um, Otherwise, I think it's just really about using what I learned in my MBA to then move into something uh, a little more, I don't want to say traditional because I don't know if any job is traditional now, but I think seeing what the inside of a very traditional corporate business looks like and how can I apply the skills that I've learned with entrepreneurs and small businesses and in grad school to something that is um, probably on paper a little more standard, but I'm sure we'll have some very valuable lessons embedded along the way. <laughs> Love it. Well, where can the listeners find you? Uh, LinkedIn would probably be the best place. Um, my parents got a little creative with the spelling of my name, even though it is pronounced like every other Caitlin on the planet. Mm -hmm. I'm probably the only Caitlin with a D on the end. So uh, if you find me on LinkedIn, it's Caitlin, K-A-T-E-L-I-N-D, Hayes, H-A-Y-S. So I'd love to get connected. I love to share stories and ideas. And if your listeners have any questions, I'm always available to answer them via LinkedIn. So. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.